Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. This week solo, but not alone. I have some very interesting people to talk to. Uh, the fabulous acrobats, comedians, contortionists, silk artists from the performance crew by the name of Circa Brava. Thank you very much for uh, joining me today. Our pleasure having us. <laughs> so I would love if you would, uh, one of you anyway, <laughs> would uh, describe just a little bit about what you do because not a lot of people get the opportunity to be able to enjoy this type of entertainment. It's kind of hard to find anymore. It is right. hard to find. Yeah, it definitely is hard to find. Uh, the closest thing we've found to a show like ours outside of the Renaissance Festival is actually the busking uh, circuit where it has variety artists mixed with comedy. Um, it's kind of a, a vaudeville-style show um, in the sense that it has lots of things all jammed together and it doesn't really exist anymore, unfortunately. It kind of died with vaudeville. So yeah, we do a, a show that has comedy mixed right in with all of the circus all happening all at the same time right now in your face, uh, along with aerial fabric, uh, sometimes done to comedy, sometimes done to music. So it's a, it's a lot to digest all at once. So yeah, it's definitely definitely different breed of entertainment. So... Oh, we do a show that ranges from anywhere from 15 minutes to 45 minutes. Uh, we can do a purely ground show. We can do a purely air show, although our favorite is when we get to be a little bit like rascals and um, throw in a little bit of social commentary that everyone is feeling, but um, not offending anybody. So yeah, totally not. You guys, uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to see you at a uh, Renaissance fair uh, what feels like about uh, 20 years ago, but it was just last year. Now, it was just the two of you, but I, I did notice that sometimes you have larger groupings of individual. How many have you, I mean, are they all considered Circa Brava, or do you kind of have a, a different arrangement where Circa Brava is a part of a larger uh, grouping? Uh, that's kind of a complicated question, honestly. Circa <laughs> uh, Brava is the two of us. Uh, we write, perform, make all the costumes, props, do all of our booking, uh, the two of us. But as our schedules and needs change, we do sometimes bring other people in. They're more uh, guest artists than members of the company, but the more the merrier. And we do try to let every guest artist that we bring in add their own flair. Like, we had one um, artist uh, from Cirque du Sewer come in, Alyssa Arliss, who did rope walking in the show, which we don't normally have in the show, um, but has that skill, and so she was kind enough to grace us with her skill and beauty and talent that day. So Yes, and she also juggled, which is uh, the one circuit skill we don't do in the show. Unless yeah. we have an amazing guest artist. Yeah. She also wore a chicken costume for us, which was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> well, you, you can't go wrong with a chicken costume. I mean, if, if the Cubs have taught us anything, it's that. Especially a beautiful blonde in a chicken costume. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. <laughs> so... All right, so you guys have obviously trained to get to the level of skill that you've got. What what exactly did you do to uh, accomplish the, the the feats that you that, uh, did? You go to a, a specific acrobatic school? Did you train under uh, somebody? How did this happen? Well, neither one of us has a gymnastics background. Go, Jen, go. Oh, me first. Okay, um, we actually came to this with very different backgrounds. Uh, we both had dance in our early years. Um, I dove down that rabbit hole Well, Marina will tell you all about her football career as a female <laughs> football player. But um, I was a professional ballerina, and then I um, started my tour life touring with different bands. So 
doing ballet, ballet dancing, and Celtic dancing for them. I did that for about 10 years. And five years into it, I met a circus performer. Her name is Jana Colgan. She is a phenomenal uh, acrobat, athlete, and human being, and fell in love with it. So we traded a few classes, and um, she pretty much told me to do it the wrong way, which I do not recommend to anyone listening to do. Um, because I had a, a strong ballet background, I bought my own set of silks and found a few other ex-dancers that wanted to learn, and we would send videos to Jana back and forth, and we would take classes anywhere that we were touring, because we were touring the entire time, uh, where there was an aerial studio. We mainly booked private lessons to get as much as we could, and we practiced for, gosh, uh, anywhere from an hour to six hours a day learning those skills. And in Jana's defense, back then that was the norm, more or less. That's true. That was, that was the old style circus. Now, you learned from a circus performer, and that was pretty much it. And then you trained on your own. Hmm. So that, that culture has definitely changed. Yes, so, as we know more and more about safety. So what is considered to be kind of, in quotes, the right way now? Circus school. Train, circus school, uh, train with a coach, train with someone who is an experienced coach. Uh, and if people go back and forth about whether or not teacher training is important or not. Um, I personally and of the go with a coach that's been coaching for a long time who has a lot of guests under their belt and has a, has a, you know, who's known for being safe. You know, go, I hate to say, like, you know, just like you'd use Yelp to find a good bar. Like, use your resources to find a good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, no, exactly. It takes years to understand um, movement, and it takes years to learn how to see somebody move and know whether it's correct or incorrect or see how the silks are wrapped around you or uh, the turn of your wrist when you're doing the lira make sure that you're safe and a, a skilled instructor can see those things and stop people before you do something that might hurt yourself hmm. exactly so maria tell them about your childhood oh um i started out doing winter guard which is like color guard on crack <laughs> and i did that at a world-class level for a number of years which is where i got my dance training and my prop manipulation training from there i decided um Oh, and briefly before that, which Jen mentioned, I, I played football, which made me a very good mover. Football like picking a football like soccer, not like throwing a, a pigskin football. Um, and so I was already a very good mover. But yeah, no, I was um, really good at that. I won't go into the details. Just imagine a young woman being very good at that. Anyway, so then I yeah, did uh, Color Guard on Crack. And uh, from there, I decided that I really, really wanted to be an actor. Um, went to... New York Conservatory for Dramatic Art, started a film, which you can actually see on Netflix, um, and I decided that I hated it. I hated the whole hurry up and wait. I hated the, like, it, just, just the whole process was like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. Um, from there, I discovered circus by accident when I went back to live theater. Um, I was cast as part of a circus chorus um, by a group called Aerial Angels uh, that came in and cast me and taught me to do some stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, this. This is what I've been waiting for my entire life. And I ran off with that company and eventually went to circus school for real these and uh, later rejoined that company. And uh, yeah, and I've been kind of touring ever since. So I have to laugh, I always forget. Um, we're gonna try this, you tried acting and you were like, no, not for me. And. Um, I quit acting when I was young. My dad was actually a director, and my mom was a costumer. So, like, I grew up doing shows and t- doing regional theater tours. And now we uh, are acting as our career. 
also like, I mean, for me, dance was my rebellion, but look at us now. Look at us now. <laughs> but you're you're making it your own. It's slightly different, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we're, yeah. We're writing our own show. We're telling our own jokes. We're not being told by a director what we can or cannot do or say or cannot say. Uh, we're being told by the audience what we say or cannot say. But it's still, you know, our, our choice and our subjective. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I realized now I was rebelling against, for sure. I wanted to do my own thing, make my own art, say my own things. Yeah. Make my own message. Um, yeah, so I think that's more what I was rebelling against than the art form of acting itself. <laughs> so now that you've kind of gotten gotten this thing up and running and you're, you're talking about your history and, and, and how, it, uh, how it evolved, now that you're where you are, who have you looked back at some of the older vaudeville performers? Uh, have any of them kind of uh, kind of just kind of called out to you some something that you identify with or that you really enjoyed and you've kind of uh, taken a, a piece of and implemented it or ch- uh, changed it in some way? What's what what do you love about that that just really kind of hits that spot? wondering if Penn and Teller would work its way in there. The the, the one person's Well, ironically, that's, that was not an homage or inspired by Penn and Teller. No. Um, that, what that actually act- was inspired by Penn and Teller was the, um, the some of the sleight of hand comedic magic that we do. Yes. Um, our, our, our talking and silence characterizations actually happened organically because when we started the show, no one talked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then instantly, Marina and Jen talked um, on a script that only Marina knew, which was kind of hysterical. Yes. So, for those who have not seen our show, um, it is very—it's it, only Penn and Teller in the sense that Jen doesn't talk at all the entire show. She minds the entire show, and I do all of the talking. Just for those of you who haven't seen the show, who might listen to this. <laughs> well. Well, they want to fill people in. Well, we're hoping that if yeah. you if they haven't seen the show, that after this they're going to go, okay, I've, I've got to find these uh, wonderful ladies and take a look at what they have to offer. That's that's the goal, anyway. Oh, we've got a full tour this year, so there are lots of opportunities to see us. But um, no, when we uh, we first did the show together, we actually weren't doing Circa Brava together. We were doing another company that I co-own, uh, which is just beautiful women doing an exorbitant amount of beautiful acrobatic work. It was a 22-minute, all tricks, no jokes, 
really beautiful but really exhausting show. And honestly, Jen hired me to do it. I looked at the video of it and went, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The amount of physical fitness required. Oh, okay, I guess, yes, I'm doing this. I'm doing this with you. It's just breathtaking. (laughs) Breathtaking and physically exhausting. It was just, and Marina had all the skill, all the moves, and all the grace, um, but what we didn't realize at the time was the girl that I, I did that show with, who's now running it for both of us, um, she and I are incredibly physically similar. So what made it so spellcasting was when we did it, we, it was like twinsies. Uh-huh. It, was, it was two reflections of a mirror, and it made it beautiful, but two women of different body types doing it, even with the same extension and skill um, and timing, it, it totally didn't strike the same nerve. Yeah. I'm um, like five, six on a good day and curvy and buxom and redheaded. And Jen is like supermodel tall with like long, brown, beautiful hair and wine for days. You know, and very athletic looking as well. So think, um, think of a beautiful girl next door and your goth princess. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> right. but, um, but that's what made us such a good duo because we, we knew the first weekend that we were going to be a team. Because um, I hired her to do the show. It, it, it failed. I mean, the people still enjoyed it, but it wasn't the same thing. And it wasn't rather than... Fault, and I think it was... Oh, no. Doing it in Sarasota, where they're used to circus. It wasn't... Yes, that is a circus town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that they hadn't seen before. They'd seen it many, many, many times before. Um, yeah. But the nice thing was when we walked off stage, there was no anger, there was no blame. There was no, why didn't it work? Because we knew. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, okay, what do we do next? Because we, we have a contract for three weekends. And um, we have three more shows today. And we're not doing that again. Nope, that was... <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was lovely because no matter what either of us suggested, uh, whether it was outlandish or ridiculous or, oh, I don't think it'll work. Like, we both just gave it our all. We yeah, just tried everything. Yeah, and up until this point, I had been doing a solo show on the busker circuit by um, the name of Fantastic Flash, which was a contortion uh, comedy fire show. Um, so I jokingly, I didn't expect Jen to say yes, I jokingly said, hey, what if we pull parts of that in? And she was like, yeah, let's try it. And of I course like, oh, I was like that. that. You work with, you know, your strengths. Yeah, I just, I, most people are not that adaptable and cool and quick in the moment to say, sure, why not? And you rolled with all the punches. So. She, did, she did the script for me backstage, and we decided which lines are going to be on for the next show, and uh, an hour later, we did that. We did a hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of how it's been. I mean, like, the whole working relationship of that didn't work. Well, we've got an hour till the next show. Let's try something. It's been ever since. <laughs> I mean, we do exactly. rehearse as well, but there's a lot of, well, that let's try something else. But I feel like you rehearse and you train for those moments. Like you rehearse and you train and you kill yourself so that you're ready to like do the best show you can. And, and it's theater. Like either it's snowing or it's raining or there's a windstorm or it's 110 degrees and like you can't stage with your bare skin because it's going to burn, literally. Um, Actually. Yeah, I feel like you train so hard so when you get out there and everything that you plan to dive, you're confident enough to do the next thing. And you've failed enough times in rehearsal that you've got some backup ideas and material to try to throw some stuff together. Exactly. And we're really good at listening to each other on stage and reading cues from each other and trusting each other. Yeah. 
so how does that translate when you bring some of these elements in that are from different uh, different concepts? Uh, a lot of a lot of what people are used to now are just is just watching, not really interacting with what is going on. And you have a very real uh, interaction with the the people watching your show. What kind of a response do you get? Do you, do you get a lot of surprise that there's that participation aspect? Do people know how to react? Well, 
that's that's an old thing with with magicians though too. You you never want to leave anything to chance. Whatever random person no. you have on stage is never going to be random, or you're in trouble. That's right. why we audition them now. Yep, it's brilliant. I never have to suffer through all of the awkward moments that I've had to suffer through as a solo artist. Thanks, Jen. Oh, and I don't know though. It didn't always happen. Remember that time at Sterling? <laughs> oh no, I do. Oh, okay. oh we auditioned them. <laughs> I auditioned them hard. They were so good. Like, they did anything you asked them to do without even thinking about it. And there was a reason. Yeah. Okay, I got to so hear I, this. I, uh, yeah, I get up. We get them up on stage. And uh, oh, for those who have not seen the show, Marina yeah. does. Uh, she's one of the only people in the world that does a handstand on top of two audience volunteers. It's mm. phenomenal. So, yeah. So, I get the guys up there. And I get them all set up. And um, that day, I had happened getting vertigo for some reason. There was some weird neurovirus going on, so I warned the audience that you know, so it could happen. And if I say I'm having vertigo and I don't know where I am, it's supposed it's real. It's just going to get up. So I get upside down and um, vertigo hits. I say, you know, over the mic, like, hey, that vertigo's hitting. Just hang out for a second and I'll just try to come down. And uh, thank God she muted the mic after that. Yeah, and it didn't end. Um, so I said, you know, just hang on, I don't know which way is up and which way is down, which the audience can't hear me say. And then the dude who, um, I'm in a handstand this whole time, on top of these dudes. I'm just, you know, relying on... He was in that handstand forever. Ever. <laughs> and the one guy says, oh, I can't tell which way is up and which way is down either. And the other guy went, what? And the guy was like, no, really, I'm on acid. Oh. And the guy went, oh, that's a oh, yeah. great idea. I, was, I would have thought of that. By the time by the time you've been doing this for a while, you're going to have just this amalgamation of different stories that you're going to be able to tell. You're going to create a coffee book. I have it in my mind already. Just <laughs> we've talked about it. <sighs> yep. So you say you're booked up all over uh, all over this next year. How many shows do you generally do in a year? Um, it varies because we do Renaissance festivals. Um, Marina does Cold Street. We're planning to do Cold Street together. We did our first Busker Festival last year, and they both do private and corporate events. Um, so for the Renaissance Festival this year, we've uh, performed at the Scarborough Renaissance Festival in Waxahachie for two months. And then we're performing at the Kentucky Highland Renaissance Festival near Eminence, Kentucky, for I believe four, five, I think we can, three, I think it's five, five. And then we're performing at the Sterling Renaissance Festival for seven weekends which is near Oswego, New York. And then we zip back over to um, one of our favorite shows. We love them all for different reasons. But the Ohio Renaissance Festival for nine weekends, wow. which is yeah. uh, near Dayton and Cincinnati. It's kind of between the two. It's in Harveysburg. Mm-hmm. No, no. I like that one because we can play recorded music, modern-ish music. So we, we play yeah. the music from Legend of Zelda, symphonic version, and uh, other things oh. like that. That's... Yeah, I'm playing Daisy Play Singing in the Rain. So. That is awesome. Now, now I do have to check on your safety. I have heard at least five or six times some sort of computer try and eat one of you. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, it I'm is. actively being attacked by a parking meter alien. Hey, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm holding it off. I'll probably be okay until the end of this interview, and then I can run. I was like, grab the nurse down of the aluminum foil. You've got everything you need in your trunk. 
So you're kept pretty busy through all of these um, through all these performances. Um, yeah. What is your what is your favorite venue? Are you are you preferring more of an outdoor like the Renaissance festivals? Do you do you really miss being on an actual stage in, in an arena or in a in a theater of some? What's what's your favorite kind of interface? Oh wow! I get I get bored really fast with any one single type of of anything. Mm-hmm. I was doing corporate for a long time, and then I got bored of that, so I started doing more street. And then I did a bunch of street, and then I got bored of that and decided to do Renaissance festivals, and then I did Renaissance festivals pretty much only with some corporate events added in, and I, I also got, like, I have to do, I have to do a little of everything, right? I do get bored. I, I definitely, I need it all. I need it all. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, I love them all for different reasons. Um, but I think there's magic in stage life. And yeah. performing with a winch, which is, um, the electronic system that you perform with in, in bigger circus shows, like where you're raised and lowered mechanically, is... The thing that makes you fly. It, you, make, you fly like a superhero. It's the coolest feeling in the world. It feels like magic. Um, but there's also an honesty with the Renaissance festivals or uh, busker festivals where you're all just people. And um, there's a freedom with that as well. It, it's not a, a created magic. Like any magic that happens you are creating with your sweat. And um, it's, it's magical to get to bring something to people. Like the people that come to Renaissance festivals, I mean, you have every echelon of person because something appeals to everybody. But not all of those people would go buy tickets to a Cirque du Soleil show or a traveling circus um, or a Broadway show. Either mm. it's not their interest or they're not, uh, it's not available to them where they're located. So it's amazing to show them that women can be funny and strong and supportive of each other and do these crazy things that they probably, some of them, have only ever seen on TV, which is so removed. It's a whole different kind of magic. Um, right. So I, there is no favorite. Mm. Yeah, I, although I really like the swag bag you get at Busker Festivals. I feel like every yeah. time you do that, I like presents. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten to do cold street yet. Um, so, but I'm excited for when she does, um, because for me, Cold Street kind of has that same appeal. Like, I think if I had to pick one, even though Cold Street is really, like, really hard and you don't make as much money, um, I think I like the Cold, I think I like Cold Street for a similar reason. Uh, so I'm talking about Cold Street when there's people standing, um, Cold Street is when you, you don't have a festival around you. It's, you know, this guy who's on the street with a hat playing guitar or someone that's a big circle show. So um, I basically go on a street corner or an area, or my favorite place is Clearwater Pier 60, um, and, you know, I'm stopping people in the middle of their regular day, like their work day or on their way to dinner or wherever, and the reason I love Cold Street is because people don't expect to see a show. People Mm -hmm. are in the middle of their lives, in the middle of their days, like going from A to B, and you're taking a street, turning it into a stage, making that magic unexpectedly for someone and you have no idea what their day is in life. And my favorite thing about Cold Street is you're providing entertainment for people regardless of their ability to pay. I grew up very, very poor and um, my only access to entertainment was street performing. And that's how I fell in love with performance arts, period. So that's 
that's probably the venue. If I had to stick with one, it would be that for that magic reason. And uh, I can't wait for Jen Cold Street with me because he's <laughs> hard. where that was actually part of the culture. Um, I grew up in Houston, Texas, where there was nothing like that. Uh, they did not, busking, I think, is still not legally allowed there. I'd have to double check. Uh, it's illegal so, in so know, many places. It's illegal. And so, but I love the honesty of Cold Street. Um, I love that every venue we do has a different pay scale. Some festivals, some shows, and you're paid a flat fee. You go, you do your show, you leave. Um, some right. festivals give you a portion of a fee and then you ask for a hat to like compensate to make your fee and it's, it's a team between the, the company and the audience to like keep you going but I love that in Cold Street you're just giving them a gift and saying please help me continue to give this gift mm. yeah and it feels so good it feels like so darn good like oh it's, mm, yeah I'm, I'm excited to do that with you and to mm-hmm, see you experience the Cold Street magic for the first time sure the circus magic I was going to ask what type of angel you were because you could be the regular angel or you could be the Doctor Who angel for all those uh, <laughs> fans oh, of sci-fi. Oh, I hear that every day. I, I, Everyone I, angel. That <laughs> yeah. Even though I'm a different color and it's a different costume, but I'm still Greek and I have wings. <laughs> um, and I love Doctor Who. Do not get me wrong. I'd be companion in a, in a heartbeat or a doctor now that women get to be doctors too. But um, <laughs> it's not what I'm doing. Mm. <laughs> and the super nerd in me is like, I'm not a weeping angel. You've seen weeping angels. We are different. They are really cool. They get to have things. I don't get to have things. Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> so are you guys uh, are you guys sci-fi fantasy kind of geeks to a certain extent? I feel like our nerdage is wide and varied. Yeah, like I recently bought a new set of lightsabers that click together and staff, <laughs> but also click apart because I also like fighting with sabers at once but then again I used to train with double swords and used to be a sword spinner yeah so Star Wars is definitely more like where my geekness is fantastic she's also obsessed with seeing a warrior princess but how can you blame her that show is phenomenal yes I am I'm
see, that is fantastic. <laughs> or a horror movie. That's also oddly make you feel better. So that that means you guys have to take a look at some convention stuff too. I mean, you like the the, well, the street performing. You know, talk to Gen Con. I bet they'd let you wander around the entire convention floor, and nobody would know quite what to make of it. <laughs> Our problem is weekends. Go for it. it. It's weekends. It's um, almost every show or venue we do, uh, we're booked on the weekends. Like once Scarborough starts, which I believe is April sixth. Uh, we are booked every weekend until Halloween. Wow. Yep. Well, we should probably look at that in winter. I think we have one weekend off in July. Oh, the last weekend. I was going to say, if it was the first weekend, you could do Gen Con. <laughs> we, we need to go to Comic Con in uh, Cincinnati just for that Friday night before. But Friday nights are also really hard because... Hard. We're doing so many acrobatic shows, we try to uh, rest our bodies. Well, yeah, you've got, you've got to have time to recover. You don't want to burn out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the other problem, too, is uh, this is, I will be entirely honest, and you can correct me if I am wrong, uh, some of my other acrobatic friends have found the problem of you have to pay to play for everything all the time. Yes. And that can be very difficult if you have to travel there and pay to play. Um, when you're an artist full time and you don't have any kind of second income, um, mm-hmm. you know this is our full time job, and um, we try not to give the impression that we will work for free because that lowers the market for everybody. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. I actually got offered. We could be wrong. I got offered, Marina. I got offered. I haven't even told you this yet. A Harry Potter convention on a mm-hmm. Thursday, but. I know, and it, it worked with our tour schedule, and I was so excited. Like, I was going to actually make um, a trapeze that looked like a broom and get a little wizard robe and wear a black, you know, onesie underneath, but they couldn't pay me. And I wasn't asking, even for industry standards, I was asking enough to be like, look, I can't, I mean, I would in a heartbeat, don't get me wrong, if I can come up with an excuse to do this and not stay <laughs> in my industry, I will figure it out. But it was one of those, they, they couldn't even provide me a room, and it would have been travel. And I was like, I just, I can't. Like, it would be different if I was learning, or this wasn't my profession, it was a hobby. Um, because, oh my right. God, I want to be the Harry Potter acrobat. The fact that J.K. Rowling did not write a single aerialist into her books has oh. ruined just, oh. just to tell you. Like, those, those Beatrix girls should have been able to fly. Should have been able to fly! Or oh, something, like, with un, an aerial fabric or on ribbons. Because they dance with ribbons at Universal. Right. But um, but they couldn't they couldn't even provide me a shared hotel room and it it broke my heart because I was like I will drive you don't have to pay me gas you don't have to transport me I will share a room I will I will make this happen like I will not even give you a, a fee for building the custom equipment because I'll just keep the equipment um but they they couldn't even give me a shared room or cover by uh, that's rough which it's heartbreaking because I would love to help them make that successful but at the same time I can't. The minute you start working for free or for less than industry standards, you lower the safety level for everyone. Absolutely. Uh, because yeah. then they start expecting to pay less, and then people that will do it for less that maybe don't have the experience will go do it. And accidents are already so much higher in the aerial world than they've ever been before because there are so many women doing it. Um, that that and it's really can't be part so, of the problem. Yeah, yeah. That even for Harry Potter. Yeah, it's rough. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a big that that is a big a big problem across the board. We were talking about safety earlier and how safety has changed, and how you know back when Jen was learning, you could learn from 
someone and get your own soaks and that was the way that it was done back then and safety mm-hmm. changed so much in part out of necessity because so many more people are doing it. I mean it's exploded everyone does it I mean, sometimes people know like my grandfather does that and we're like that's awesome I hope awesome. you're doing um, yep. but that doesn't mean that your granddaughter should go try to rig in a venue off of a pipe or okay. perform outdoors if she's never done it before or perform indoors yeah. if she doesn't know any better yeah, there's just so much stuff, and the internet's an amazing and terrifying thing because people really yeah. do, um, you know, they really do latch onto that and, and uh, go with it. Which, I mean, I I was guilty. I bought a pair of fabric and hung up from an observation tower, and that's how I, you know, after I got my first initial lessons, kept up with my training until I went um, off with the first company I was with. Um, actually, I started with my dad's rigging straps. He has a landscaping company he owns, and I literally used his rigging straps, like fan sets and hung them off mm-hmm. of an observation tower to work out. So, like, I'm, I, I'm just, but back then there wasn't that same awareness. And, um, there wasn't the, the animation would not be communicated to each other. And, and here's the problem with working cheap, is then why they go ahead and hand with safety. When you teach people that, yes, you can hire a professional aerialist with insurance and years of experience for $50 a night, which is insanely, utterly ridiculously low amount of money, not at all realistic or feasible to sustain a lifestyle off of, um, which is what right. you're doing. Um, you also are teaching them that anyone who is willing to work for fifty dollars must be quality then. Which means that the girl who's a hobbyist doesn't know any, uh, any rigging, doesn't have any strength, um, and is only been doing it for six months, who's willing to work for for fifty bucks, will get hired, and then potentially for themselves or someone else, uh, rigs up of something that damages the building. Um, you know, there's all of these safety concerns that that come out of that. So by demanding a, a reasonable price. Um, for our services, it teaches the consumer, hey, this is this is how much it costs if you want someone to do this is their full-time job and you know it's going to be safe and you know your patrons and your guests at your event are going to be safe. And that if anything good, God forbid, happens, they have insurance and they know how to deal with it and they know the correct channels of how to deal with it and they have an emergency plan. Um, so it's, it's really about training the customer because it has exploded so much recently. And a painting, uh, you can buy an exquisite painting uh, from somebody who's a natural talent for not that much money. But when you buy a masterpiece um, or a painting from somebody who's, you know, put in 10,000 hours and traveled and studied under different masters um, and learned how to pull their own canvas and, and frame their own works, it, it's a different level of quality and ex- expertise that you're paying for. And um, you don't want the canvas just to fall out of the frame no. when you hang it on the wall. That's why you, you pay somebody to frame it. If, it, the artist has not framed it for you. We're not just uh, showing up and doing acrobatic skills. We're using all of our theater background and performance background and dance background, uh, not to mention the 10,000 hours of acrobatic training and then rigging classes and what is safe in what environments under what weather conditions. Um, making or, costumes and learning yeah. how to do makeup and driving to the gig and, you know, all of that stuff. And, I mean, by the time we actually get to the gig, we would do the five minutes of performing for free. Of course, of course, it's everything to get you there and then get you home. So uh, one question I definitely wanted to ask you, uh, due to the type of uh, the work that you do, uh, it used to be that you could find something similar to this a little easier. I mean, uh, you could find circuses regularly, but that's just not something that you can really see anymore. Um, I think it depends on where you live. Uh, there's actually a, a bunch of modern touring circuses 
but they, they stick to their specific region. Oh. And are we talking about traditional circus or modern Like Like, like, like Barnum and Bailey type circus. Blame Peter! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I just want to state this for the record, for those of you that do not know, we both love animals, but PETA actually lost, the, they lost, <laughs> they lost the lawsuit against Barnum and Bailey and had to pay them over $20,000 in damages, and yet public opinion still forced them to cut their elephants, who were much happier with their families that they'd grown up with, um, and it, it closed that circus. Yeah. Yeah, and it, 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 did it, it, it actually, it, yeah, it closed, and it closed a lot of circuses because people were like, oh, oh elephants, it's so bad, I can't we have elephants, and in reality, Barnum and Bailey did more for elephants than any other conservation group has ever done. They have a huge, most people don't know, they have a huge, um, look it up, they have a huge conservation <laughs> <laughs> And they also found that the performers yeah. treated their animals better than most zoos do. So, you, you, imagine somebody taking your kitten out of your hand that you've raised, yeah. you know, yeah. at 20 years old, and be like, I can't have this kitten anymore, it's not safe, and you're like, but I, I, I love this kitten, hmm. we, we eat together, we sleep together, like, this is, we're, this is my fur baby. Yeah, and the but, um, really were a part of the family, so the, the death of the circus really has been a lot because of PETA, thanks guys, and I'm someone who is vegan, um, so, uh, and I think it's ridiculous. So I, I just, I just can't even. Ah, she's also uh, a rescue foster mom for dogs when she's home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, 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 but there are still, there are still some older uh, circuses that have been around uh, with less recognizable names because they've been bought out, like the Cole Brothers Circus, the Garden yeah. Circus, uh-huh. uh, now has a completely different name as well. But they, um, a lot of them actually start in Florida and they'll tour uh, the lower coast around Texas and then shoot north to Midwest and shoot east to around Maryland and then shoot south hmm. back to a uh, home. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with whether or not you're on the path of the circuit because they, okay. they do circuits, you know? Yeah. They, they do, do and a lot of them do the same one, which actually gets incredibly competitive. Yeah. Well, I just so had that's, this... That's a part of it. I had this vision, you know, in case in case that was becoming something that was less likely of just small groups like yourself or like the Blue Monkey Sideshow that operates out of Indianapolis sometimes and just little segments of what used to be the circus that could all come together, just descend on the same town and all of a sudden you have a conglomerative circus out of the pieces. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be really fun. We'd be there in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, one of our friends is actually trying to do something similar to that. He's putting together a show called Pizzazz that's going to take place in Florida, I believe in April, with um, a bunch of his touring friends who happen to be in town at the same time. That's yep. cool. Yeah. And he's building it as a, a traditional, you know, old school, and it's a new world circus variety show. Yeah, it's like circus a new variety show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, new vaudeville. He's trying to brand it as the new vaudeville. So circus meets burlesque meets uh, comedy meets magic meets, you know, like, it's a, yeah, what Bodville used to be. Uh, hmm. all, all of the things together under one roof. Variety and came in several, um, with high-class performers who were all traveling around. But anyway, we're... Yeah, so... So if you decide to organize that and call all of your friends, call us too. Hmm. Yeah, if you need someone to give you the numbers of all the friends, let us know. Oh, I, I, will, I will definitely <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, well, let's end on a fun note. I'm, I'm going to start this thing where everybody that I talk to... Um, is, I you know we're big comic book geeks is a lot of what we do we we talk about comic book movies and comic books and things like that so 
it seems like you have a little bit of uh, fun, geeky interest. Are you? Are either of you comic book fans at all? I'm going to sadly fail you in the comic book world. <sighs> um, I loved Ghost when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I have been traveling full time in a trailer for oh my gosh, uh, longer than I care to admit, <laughs> um, owning things like comics or even too many books, which is ironic because I'm actually married to a novelist, mm-hmm. um, they take up too much space and they they weigh too much. So I'm, I'm going to fail you on the comics. <gasps> Sorry. I mean, yeah, I can't have actual comic books, but I'm wicked into X-Men, but mm. I can't actually have the physical, like, my, yeah, my stepdad actually collects books, but I've watched a bunch of the movies and Anyway, what is the question? So the question was... Sorry. No, that's that's all right. No, you don't actually have to be huge comic book fans for this question because, you know, Captain Marvel just came out and, of course, is super huge. So every geeky person that's a comic book fan has a dream. It's like, you know, if I could be any superhero, who would it be? Oh, Phoenix. Oh, that's easy. Wonder Woman for me, completely. I loved how kind her heart was. Yeah, she can be she can be very sweet and also kind of scary with a sword. Exactly, <laughs> like Marina and myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you say? Yeah, did, no, I love. Did you say Phoenix? What? Did you say Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. I just love that Jean Grey has to fight with that other part of herself, and um, but that she's capable of amazing things. And I've always thought that Telekinesis would be like the coolest power ever. Um, <laughs> that would. I remember her name Supergirl when I was a kid, but that's because I just didn't let people tell me I couldn't do things. So I just figured out how to do them. <laughs> I think my, I do have to say, I think my close second is Mephisto. She's so, hmm, yeah, she's just something about being able to, because I'm an acrobat too, just being able to be like, I'm an acrobat. Now I'm gonna like pin myself to this building and nobody can see me. And then because she's hardcore, so like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just think that that would be killer. That's too. What about you, Ken? Um, I tend to have uh, I tend to have more more cosmic aspirations. I've always been uh, less of a hero person, more of a villain. I, I'm I'm a big fan of Thanos. Oh, okay, good to know. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna file that information you. about you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's not really a villain anyway. He is portrayed that way in the uh-huh. movies, but he's more of a more of a force of nature, which I always found very right. interesting. Yeah. But uh, you know that can be always good or bad. That's right. Well, he's he saved he saved the universe. Most people don't think about that. He saved it a couple that's times. Actually. But uh, ah, yeah, no, most people just like, oh, it's a good time. No, like the most villain I get is, is probably Mystique, or maybe like Kylie from Avatar. Uh, but, oh, I could see that too. But yeah, I feel like that's a that's a shallow interpretation of you. <laughs> that's true. She, she, she's much more adorable. I feel like I am a little bit more like. I don't know. If you've got so much depth, they just don't look at you long enough to see it. They're like, oh my god, she's so cute and spunky. But I'm like, she's also like soulful and intelligent and really sweet. No. And then, yes, spunky and pretty. Don't lie to these people, Jen. Don't lie to these people. She's <laughs> horrible. You never want to work with her. I don't know why. You, you know what? They're going to find <laughs> They're going to find you on YouTube and they're going to see you on the web and see how awesome you guys are and, and enjoy it as much as I have, I'm sure. Oh, good. Oh, I hope so. So, uh, hopefully, if you guys come see us in the new season, there's some new stuff coming to the show as well. So, oh yeah, really exciting stuff. I yep. expect this will probably this will probably air sometime like April. When is your uh, stuff coming up after that? 
Uh, we are the oh, festival for oh the new stuff or the sorry the, your stuff that you're going to be doing in April. We are at the Scarborough Renaissance Festival uh, through all of April and until Memorial Day weekend end of May, which is in Waxahachie, Texas, near Dallas, Texas. Cool. And we're going to be doing lots of cool stuff there. Like Marina, do you want to talk about the new fun stuff? Mm-hmm. Yep. We have a. Um, you talked about vaudeville inspiring us. Uh, we were inspired. Uh, it's this very classic vaudevillian style thing to do a ragdoll act. Um, people, most people don't even know what that is, and they definitely haven't seen it. But we've added a ragdoll act to our show. Uh, we've added a little bit more badges, which we won't tell you what it is. Because, uh, not part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. the easiest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think. Oh, oh, the duo Lira stuff, the new duo Lira stuff. Yeah. We have fun uh, otter trust exercises. So actors trust fall, acrobats uh, hold each other up by their crotches and their foot. <laughs> <laughs> yep, this is, this is true. I kicked Jen in the crotch several times a show, and she throws glitter out of mine, so it's even. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I magically produce flowers out of it. You know, I still want to work on levitation. See, and that's that's the fun well, part. You, you can you can be you can be a little bit naughty and and silly at the same time, and it's just too much fun. Exactly. We don't do anything you would not see in a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at the Animaniacs. Anyone who says that show is just a <laughs> Animaniacs. Oh my gosh, look at Roadrunner. We could do anything. Uh. <laughs> oh God. <sighs> well, I want to thank you both very much for taking the time to talk with me, and uh, I, I I will certainly look you up the next time uh, you are in the Ohio region. Uh, Texas may be just a little outside of my range. <laughs> well, here in Luck, we'll be at the Ohio Renaissance Festival for at least the next two years. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you again, ladies. And by October. Perfect. Oh, and sorry. No, no, you are you are just fantastic. See, this is the fun of recording from three separate loca- uh, locations simultaneously. There, there's not. Uh, I think we've gone about as smoothly as we possibly could have gone. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, until next time, putting people. Uh, obviously, you can find us on our Twitter at uh, Real Putting Guys. We are also on Facebook at Putting Guys. We are on Instagram at Putting Guys. You were probably seeing a trend. And, of course, our website, www.everybodylovespudding.com. We look forward to your suggestions, your reactions, and do not hesitate to check these ladies out. There are several of their videos on YouTube, though that does not in any way compare to seeing them live. You should definitely find them anywhere they are nearby you. Yes, thank you so much for having us. I think you can. Thank you. Yeah, and if you'd like to find us, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Oh. And Circa Brava. Circa Brava. Oh, let's let's spell it because nobody spells it correctly. <laughs> it is I R Q A P I. I'm gonna start over. It is C I R Q A space B R A V A. Circa Brava means about uh, good, according to the Facebook translator. And worst case scenario, if you're on our website, I'm gonna make sure to link to them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs>